But also I was like, you know what, if you're not going to give me a book deal, I'm going to do it better than if you had given me a book deal. And so that's really was my mindset going into self-publishing. And, you know, I ended up writing the original book idea that I had presented to them that they told me wouldn't sell. And, and I self-published it. And I took it to number one on Amazon. So ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones, like number one in print books. Um, and this was in Canada, but still, you know, that's still a-, a- That's incredible. <laughs> it's a feat. It I mean, is. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi, writers. Okay, if you're one of those writers who knows you have a book idea buried somewhere in you, but every time you think about getting started, you get overwhelmed with this idea of pitching to agents and pitching to publishers and walking the traditional publishing process, which you know can take a long time, you're going to love today's episode. Today on the Find Your Voice podcast, I'm talking with Julie Broad, who also calls herself Julie the Book Broad, that's self-appointed, who is the founder of Book Launchers, a self-publishing company that has helped hundreds of high-achieving individuals create the secret ingredients that sets them apart from their competition, their first book. Julie is the expert on all things self-publishing, and we are going to unpack all of it today. We're going to talk about the differences between self-publishing and traditional publishing. We're going to talk specifically about how you can know which path is the right path for you. She's going to tell her personal story about working with a publisher called Wiley, which is a traditional publisher in Canada, and what made her decide after that experience to take this new path of self-publishing. We're going to talk really honestly about the stigma behind self-publishing. We'll talk about where it comes from and how this often holds authors back from their potential. We'll cover vanity publishers, hybrid publishers, what to look for in a publisher. And we're even going to talk about the biggest challenge that self-published authors actually face, which is distribution. And you guys are going to be shocked by what you learn because I didn't even know what she teaches in this episode. So if you've ever thought about self-publishing a book, if you're not sure whether you want to traditionally publish or self-publish, don't miss today's episode with Julie Broad. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Hi, Ellie. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'm just excited to know you too, because I was thinking the other day, how have I gone most of my career without having connected with you, given the fact that we're doing very similar work in the world, and I'm just a huge, huge fan of you. In the few weeks we've known each other, I'm already sending all of our clients your way. So (laughs) (laughs) So you have a ton of expertise to offer, and I can't wait for you to get to offer that to our audience here today. Fantastic. Well, I'll start with the question that I always start with, with these conversations, which is what does it mean to you to find your voice? Uh, And it's such a, such a great question. I mean, as someone who helps people write books like you, it really, to me, is helping them figure out what impact they want to have in the world and and really who they want to impact with that. And then speaking, you know, really speaking their truth. 
being honest about who they are and what they have to offer the world. I think when you do that, you you can't help but find your voice. And when you do that also, you can't help but have a huge impact on others, which I think is you know one of the most meaningful things we can do in our lives. Yeah, that's such a great answer. And I'm assuming you probably don't deal with this question a lot because by the time someone decides they're dead set on self-publishing their book, they've probably kind of worked this question out. But a lot of our listeners are writing for the sake of personal growth and healing, and they maybe have thought about publishing aspirations. Some of them are aspiring authors, and some of them are like not sure yet whether they would publish their work publicly. So if someone's listening to you say that and saying, I don't know yet if I have something valuable to offer to the world, or maybe I think I do, but I'm not sure what that is. Is there some, is there, I don't know, what advice would you give them? Well, I would probably tell them to talk to you. <laughs> but, 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 but short of that, I mean, some of it, so there's kind of different writing, right? Like there's writing that is you just have a story that you have to get out of you. And once it's out of you, you can look at it and evaluate whether it's something you actually want out in the world. Ultimately, I believe every single human has value to offer others. Mm. And as you know, in believing that I believe that there is a valuable book inside of all of us. But that doesn't mean that you should write a book. And it doesn't mean that you should share your story either. So because that's a very personal choice. And that's why I think what you do is is beautiful and fabulous and, and something that people really can benefit from if they're sitting on the fence, not sure, because you can help them write it, and then they can decide. But there's also the writing where somebody goes, I want to have an impact on, you know, you know people who've had childhood trauma, or people yeah. who have, you know, something has happened in their life, and I have navigated this, and now I can share my story to help them. And when that's you, I think that's where you focus in on that person, and you share your story for the purposes of helping that person. And, and that's kind of the process that, that we help people with is when you know who your reader is already, and you kind of know the impact you want to have we can guide them through creating that book. Yeah. And that, that is huge. You know, the resource that you're providing to people for, for most of my career, I've worked with authors who for one reason, or some of them have gotten traditional publishing contracts, but so many authors have tried to get traditional publishing contracts and haven't been able to. And then they're kind of left going, well, what next? I guess I have to self-publish. And that's kind of the attitude people have around <laughs> self-publishing sometimes. So can you give us before we get into the nitty gritty of self-publishing, just give us like an overview of what is the work that you do and then what made you want to do this work? Yeah. So, I mean, we're a full service self-publishing firm. And so at the end of this, you're the publisher, hmm. which is really the distinction, you know, to me between self-publishing and traditional publishing. So you own all rights, you own all royalties, and the book is completely your book at the end of this process. And my team is really just there to do everything that a traditional publisher would, and then some. One of the misconceptions, and I know we'll get into this, but one of the misconceptions is if you get a traditional book deal, you just have to write the book and you're done and the publisher does everything else. Mm -hmm. um, that is so far from the yeah. truth. And in, in fact, you're, you're almost entirely responsible for the marketing. And, and you may have to go out and hire your own PR firm and all of these other things because the traditional publisher is looking at you to sell the book. <laughs> so they look yeah. at you to write it and then they look at you to sell it. Yeah, I can attest <laughs> to that. Having done two traditional publishing contracts of my own and collaborated on a healthy handful of others. Um, I can tell you that no author just hands over the marketing of their book to someone else. That doesn't happen. 
<laughs> exactly. So with with our company, you still have to, you know, there's still things you have to do to market the book. But we have a team of people around you that are going to be pitching you for podcasts and live events. And, you know, we list your book in catalogs and we run Amazon ads and we do a whole bunch of things uh, that some, some, some of our authors are traditionally published and we're marketing their traditionally published book. So that tells you right there, the traditional publishers aren't doing <laughs> a lot yeah. of what we do. So it's, that's really what we do is we're full service, but we're really marketing focused. So a lot of what we do injects marketing into the book the moment we start speaking with an author. Which is so important. I loved that from your book, Self-Publish and Succeed is a great resource for anyone who's looking to publish, period. Even if you think you want to traditionally publish, you should pick up Julie's book, Self-Publish and Succeed. She talks about the no boring books way to write a nonfiction book that sells. And this is stuff that even authors who plan to traditionally publish would benefit to know as they're working to craft their their message. This has been something I've harped on since the beginning of my time working with authors is that, you know, we talk a lot about growing your platform in the publishing industry, but not nearly enough about growing your message and your message has to be clear or it's never going to sell whether you self-publish or traditionally publish. Exactly. And that's, and in that book, I talk a lot about the marketing pieces that traditional publishers are going to be looking for anyways. And we've had clients that get to various stages in the self-publishing process, and then they get a traditional deal. Um, some mm. of them choose actually not to go traditional at that yeah. point, um, but then some do and it's, and it works out great, but they, because we've layered in marketing and we've really built a book that is set up to sell, it is also appealing to a traditional publisher. Cause at the end of the day, you're only getting a book deal because they think you're going to sell books. Yes, exactly. I know there are a lot of stigmas around self-publishing and there are other self-publishing companies out there who will also take your money and quote unquote self-publish your book for you. I think what you guys are doing is so different. And a lot of times self-publishing gets a bad rap and self-publishers are often called vanity publishers. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Like how is what you're doing really different? And what do you have to say about the stigma that's around self-publishing? Yeah. So, I mean, my whole philosophy with self-publishing kind of comes from how I got into it in the first place, which is, you know, I was turned down by Wiley for a book deal. You know, long story short is first they told me my idea wouldn't work and then they gave me an idea. And then after three months of building a proposal together, they decided <laughs> I couldn't sell enough books for them to give me a book deal. I so just recently <laughs> watched you tell that story on YouTube and I was just like, I was like hurting the whole way with you because we... Because we've had so many authors who have had similar types of experiences. Yeah, it's it's you know it's one of those things where when they give you an idea, you you feel like this is a book yeah. deal, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, it, but it turns out it wasn't. So you know they they kind of knocked me down, but they did me an enormous favor because first of all they kind of forced me to look at self publishing, but then I also went into it with almost, almost like a vengeance. It was, you know, kind of one part, I was terrified that nobody would ever read the book. So I wanted to do it as good as possible. But also I was like, you know what, if you're not going to give me a book deal, I'm going to do it better than if you had given me a book deal. And so that's really was my mindset going into self-publishing. And, uh, you know, I ended up writing the original book idea that I had presented to them that they told me wouldn't sell. And, and I self-published it. I took it to number one on Amazon. So ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones, like number one in print books. And this was in Canada, but still, you know, that's still a- That's a incredible. <laughs> it's a feat. I mean, it, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was great. And it really opened my eyes to many things. Um, the two things being that I had full control of the entire process 
which I would not have had with Wiley. They made that very clear from the beginning. You know, this is the book you're going to write. Here's, you know, here's your target audience. Like they told me all of those things. Uh, and then the other really big piece of that was the money I made. Yeah. I, I made so much more money than if I had gone the traditional route. You know, I think I'd done the math early on and it was under $10,000 I would have made from them. Yeah. And, you know, it was closer to 86 or 87,000 just from Amazon and bookstores. That's uh, crazy. You know, what's funny is I watched that story today on YouTube that you, you tell, like tell your personal story of how you got into this. And I was thinking about how I often say to authors, don't expect a book to be a moneymaker. And that's just advice I've given for as long as I've been doing this. Like a book is often a gateway to other moneymakers, like speaking engagements or online courses or whatever. But I always tell them, don't expect a book to be a moneymaker. And I, after I watched your story, I thought, my that advice I'm giving to people is probably really influenced by how much I've worked in the traditional publishing world versus self-publishing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. Would you give different advice than that? Because it kind of sounds like that's that's a lot of money that you can make from selling your own book. Yeah, I mean, I still I still tell people to use the book as a tool because yeah. ultimately, like that was great. That was a couple of years of really nice, you know, income, and it still comes in. You know, I'm still getting for about four hundred dollars a month that come in sure. for me doing nothing with that book, which is lovely. That's incredible. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great little, you know, that's real passive income because I'm so far removed from the real estate space, which is what that book yeah. was. Um, but at the same time, I, I think you want to go into it really looking at the book as a tool because sure. what the book did for me well beyond that was, again, I was in real estate, but I raised capital. I had a training company where the, our masterminds and our, our workshops filled so much faster than they ever filled before. And I, I was speaking. So where I had gone from attending the events, I started going to the events as the speaker. And so those things all kind of evolved over time. And, you know, some of our authors have had very similar experiences to this too. We have a YouTube video out that's kind of talks to five different authors. And one of them, he just, he just did a TED global ideas talk and it didn't mm. come like, you know, book came out and all of a sudden he's on TED, but it was an evolution of things using the book as a tool to open doors and you kind of like open yeah. up a door and then what cool thing is behind the next door. And you just kind of go that way. And if you, go into it with that mindset, I think you're going to find the money and the meaning and the impact and all those great things come. So I think your advice is great. I think that's a good approach. Well, the other thing I thought too is, you know, you, I don't know the timeline exactly, but you might not have ever thought that this, that you making that choice to self-publish would be proof of concept for what you're doing now, which is helping other authors do the same. And that is also another revenue stream for you. So I guess like the takeaway for me for authors who are considering self-publishing is that even if the book never makes you a penny, that it opens these opportunities that you might not have even seen coming down the road. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to go back to your stigma question because it is real. And I mean, I had it too. You know, again, I say I was forced into self-publishing. Today, I would choose it. And traditional deals have come up and I say no, thank you. So, and the stigma though is to remember that the reader doesn't know, nor do they care. Like nobody ever searches, what is Penguin Penguin Random House publishing right now? Nobody ever searches that. (laughs) I know. I tell, especially new authors, I'll say like, imagine yourself as a consumer going through a bookstore, do you ever pick up the book and look on the spine to see who published it? And and I've never talked to anybody, the average everyday consumer now, agent, literary agents and people who've worked in the industry do, you know, would do that. But most people don't, most consumers don't have any clue. 
No. And again, if your book has an impact and it's going to help them solve a problem or help them with something in their life, they, they're not worried about who published the book. They're worried about what the book is going to do for them. Yeah. And that's really important too, especially when you're talking about your story is, you know, if you are intending on publishing it is to remember that, you know, the story might be your story. It might be about you, but it is for your reader. And so you want to be thinking about that reader that you want to impact when you are telling that story, because that's, that's why they're going to buy your book. Yeah, that's so true. And it really is the difference between the two types of writing you talked about at the beginning of this conversation. The one type of writing being, you know, very self-nurturing and, and healing and therapeutic. That type of writing can be very focused on you and just kind of whatever you need to say. But it, the minute that you want to share this piece of work more broadly, it's so, so important to be thinking about who's going to pick up this book. What do they need to hear? What kind of transformation are you wanting them to make in their life? And then what do they need to know in order to make that transformation? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I want to start to talk a little more specifically about the pros and cons between self-publishing and traditional publishing. You've touched on some of them, but can you kind of break it down for folks who are like, I, d- I definitely want to publish someday and I just don't know which path I'm going to take? Yeah, for sure. And there is there is that middle ground too, which is the hybrid, which can also mm-hmm. be vanity. So um, it's good to come back to all of that and make sure we cover all of that. So self-publishing, you keep all rights, you keep all royalties. And when I'm saying rights, I want to emphasize this because a lot of people don't realize when you traditionally publish, you're basically selling your story, you're selling your content, you're selling whatever is mm-hmm. in those pages. It's not yours anymore. And, and the best way I can illustrate this is with a friend of mine's story, who wrote a real estate investing book. He was in Canada and he wrote a book about investing in the US. A couple of years later, he became a life coach and was no longer in the real estate space. Wiley decided to republish his book word for word under a new author's name who was in the real estate space. So all of his stories, all of his material, all of his advice was now attributed to somebody else. Oh my gosh. And, and it's morally gross, right? Like it's gross sure. that they can do that. But legally, they were 100% within their rights because my friend no longer owned any of that material. He had sold it <laughs> in yeah. his book deal. So that's the really important thing. When you're self-publishing, you keep all those rights. When you go traditional, you're giving that in exchange for, you know, hopefully a good advance and, you know, in exchange for the distribution and them upfronting the cost of producing this Mm -hmm. book. So, you know, there's trade-offs, but that's a really, really important thing. And then the other thing to remember is what we already talked about is when you go traditional, you get the advantage of them upfronting the costs. You know, some people feel good because somebody else believes in their book enough to do that. But at the same time, they're still looking at you to sell books. So for that book to get results, you still have to be out there and you have to find a way to communicate with people that the book is out there and why they want to buy it. It's still completely on you to market it. The one big kind of obstacle that self-published authors really have to face is distribution. And, you know, this has evolved so much and this is, I'm so excited for where the future is going. Um, the new ownership of Barnes and Noble, the man in charge there, he's really going local. And so it's much less about the big buying power and the big, you know, the big relationships of the traditional publishers and more coming back down to the local store managers to buy the books. But tra- amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting as a self-published author, because typically that was the hardest thing for yeah. a self-published author was bookstore distribution. 
And we've managed to navigate around it in, in different ways by getting local events, getting your local store to buy it, and then pointing to the next nearest local store and going, look how good this sold over here. And yeah. You can kind of you know spread it out there, but it's harder work for the self-published author. Things are changing, but that's kind of the big difference is traditional publishers typically have a faster, they've got a sales team that goes out to the bookstores and sells the books. So that's, that's the one big, yeah. to me, difference and advantage of traditional oversight. Yeah. And in that sense, I mean, if you think a publisher is going to help you sell books, in that sense, they do because they mm-hmm. get your book into the brick and mortar stores. But I'm curious if you've seen a difference since COVID because, you know, in-person retail has dropped so significantly. Do you see a difference? Like, I feel like this is kind of an opportunity for authors who have thought about self-publishing that 90% of my book sales, regardless of the fact that my book is in brick and mortar stores are happening on Amazon. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we're seeing, it depends. We have a lot of Canadian authors whose distribution is different. Um, Amazon still comprises a large percentage, but they are selling books through Chapters Indigo, which is, but they're selling them online. So that's okay. the thing. And and we can, as self-published authors, all of our clients are online in every bookstore. They're just not physically on the shelves until they take extra steps. And so that's the really exciting part right now is even if somebody will only buy from their local store, uh, you're still available online. And so your marketing efforts are still going to get that distribution. That's amazing. Yeah. So are you providing that service for them? I guess I was under the impression that if you self-published your book, that there was no way to like for me as a self-published author to get in contact with the book buyers at Barnes and Noble. So my book wouldn't be available on barnesandnoble.com, but am I mistaken in that? Yeah, no, we have distribution everywhere. Books are sold for the most part. I think the only place that we've had a few struggles is Walmart. And it's only because Walmart has their price match thing and Amazon and Walmart kind of fight online. Yeah, (laughs) And so it's been a bit of a challenge there, but yeah, otherwise we get distribution everywhere. Books are sold. Um, It's just that to get that physical bookstore presence, you have to take some extra steps, but even even then, we have clients that are in airports, bookstores, we've had display space, like it, it can happen. It's just not as automatic and you're a little bit more involved in the process yeah. than traditional. That's yeah. amazing. That's blowing my mind. I had no clue. So that's incredible. I imagine that for a handful of our clients, one of the biggest obstacles to self-publishing is actually the cash up front mm-hmm. because, you know, depending, people will always say like, how much does it cost if I want to self-publish my book? And I'm like, that's a hard question to answer because you could do it for five grand, or you could do it for 25 grand, you could do it for 50 grand. You could even spend more than that if you were going to, you know, pay for expensive marketing, or Mm -hmm. I don't think people are paying to get their book on the New York Times list anymore. But people were definitely doing that for a long time, too. So Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't have a lot of financial resources to invest in a book, do you think it's still possible for them to self publish? Yeah, I mean, anybody can self publish the question and the thing you kind of have to have to check in with yourself on is, once your book is out there, it is not as simple as delisting it to make it go away. So you want to make sure that when you publish it, it's not something you're going to be embarrassed about later. So you want to invest enough in the quality, which to me is editing and and professional book cover at a minimum. So, you know, those are, those are some things because we've had to delist people's books for a variety of reasons. You know, one of the reasons actually is the hybrid publisher, which we haven't touched on. (laughs) So we'll go back to that and we'll kind of come back to this topic. But so the hybrid publisher is kind of the middle ground. It's, you know, I, I sometimes joke, it's if Wiley and book launchers had a baby, you'd, you'd have a hybrid. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, the hybrid model is you pay them 
And they typically don't keep rights, but they do keep a bit of a royalty. But Mm -hmm. usually the benefit is that they do have more distribution. And sometimes they do a bit more marketing. The challenge is that there are these, these companies called vanity publishers. Now, all vanity publishers are hybrids, but not all hybrids are vanities. So this is where it gets really confusing. A vanity publisher is essentially a company that takes your money and doesn't even typically do editing. They slap a templated uh, templated cover on your book, and then they send you a thousand copies of your book, and now you've got (laughs) books. And they call you an author. Exactly. Or they have some sort of an award gimmick that, you know, they'll, they'll give you this free award or, you know, they have different gimmicks that go along with them. They're really what have given self-publishing a bad name. So Mm -hmm. you you have to be very careful. Now, not all hybrids are bad. There are some decent hybrids that have good quality editing. They produce great covers. You know, they do have advantages. But to me, if you're going to pay a fee, I would much rather own everything and go the self-publishing route. So that's kind of my perspective on on that piece. And then the the self-publishing with what we were talking about. So that's where I say, you know, you know, get a great copy editor, and it is going to cost a few thousand dollars to get a great Mm -hmm. copy editor, um, and then get a great cover designer. And you know, that a good one really will probably cost you about $500. But at a minimum, you've got a good book that you can put out there and uploading to Amazon through KDP print, you know, so you have that distribution, it's pretty straightforward. It's it, it takes a few videos or a few, you know, how to's, but you can get it done yourself. So you don't have to spend a ton of money to, to get your book out there in the world and have it be something you're proud of. We've also had a handful of authors do trades for cover design and also for editing. If you mm-hmm. can find a friend who is an English major or who's done a couple of editing projects before some freelance writing or editing and is a strong writer and is willing to do a trade for you for something else. That's, that's another way that you can, but I'm with you, Julie. I'm like, if you're going to spend money on something, spend it on the editing and then on the cover design. Those are the two things because, you know, having a professional editor go through your manuscript makes a really, really big difference. And yeah, the final product. And for those people who really want to do it the best and they've got some resources, it, I want to kind of also say, hire a developmental editor or go through the content editing process first and then do a copy edit. Because one of the things I get a lot of is people who say my book is edited and, and they either, they either acknowledge their book is grammatically correct, but not as good as it could be, or they don't realize that their book is missing that story structure or that, you know, some of those core elements that make a book engaging and readable. And it's because they didn't do that content or developmental edit, they just went to the copy edit, which is, you know, sentence structure, word choice, punctuation and grammar. So that's where you get a grammatically correct book, but it's not necessarily a really good read. Yeah, I was just going to add to about hybrid publishers, I published my second book with a hybrid publisher, except they didn't require a f- I didn't pay a fee. There was no advance, obviously, so no money exchanged between them and me. They kept 70% of royalties, which coming from the traditional publishing world felt like I got to keep, I was impressed that I got to keep 30%. I still, after my experience with the, the biggest reason I went with this hybrid publisher was because it was a self-publishing option that gave me lots of control over content, but they also offered distribution. And I really wanted my book to be available in brick and mortar stores. And I would say they didn't deliver on the promise the way that I hoped that they would to get my book into physical stores. I think it's just one of those things for authors who are used to the traditional publishing world that you have this 
sense that everything's going to be taken care of for you. And no matter how many times I publish books, I just realized at the end of the day, you're doing most of the legwork anyway. And I say that with the utmost respect to publishers and the work that they're doing and Mm -hmm. people we work with who are in the industry. But that's why I think what you're doing, Julie, is so important and really amazing because you're you're helping authors walk through this process. You're removing the big barriers to self-publishing and giving back authors really the power over their projects that they deserve to have. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's so fun to do that. And to also have, we work with quite a few traditional published authors that are self-publishing some of their books and then some of their books are traditionally published. And, and it's so fun to hear how much more they typically enjoy going through the self-publishing process, largely because they get creative control, right? When you, when you're traditional, as you know, they, they say, here's your cover. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. It's true. And you're like, that's not what I pictured. And they don't care. (laughs) Okay. So I would love for you to talk about that just for a quick minute too, because you mentioned something like that on the YouTube video that I watched today, where you talked about your publishing story. You talked about different projects for authors having different, a different purpose. And, and this idea of one author publishing one book with a traditional publisher and another one self-publishing, what would make an author want to self-publish one book and traditionally publish another? Yeah, for, I mean, everybody's a little, a little bit different. So some of our clients, you know, typically they're going for kind of their, I don't know what you want to call it, like their cornerstone book they might traditionally publish. And so they're, you know, they've done that one deal that talks about kind of their core concepts, but then they have other concepts that they want to keep themselves or they're creating workshops or they do a lot of speaking on this. And so they want their intellectual property to belong to them. And then some of our clients will traditionally publish and then the contract is over after five years and they can renew with the traditional publisher or they can pull it back and then regain, you know, regain the rights to it. So we've had both of those situations. Ultimately, you know, it it comes down to what you want to use your book for going forward. And so if you're, you know, kind of the typical thing is if you're really going after that New York Times bestseller list, Mm -hmm. um, or you're really trying to get into that six figure consulting realm where you want to have that Wiley or that Penguin or that big kind of name publisher behind you on one book, then that's where those clients will pursue the traditional. But then for the other things that they're like, I want full ownership, I want full control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they, they go the self-publish, but it does, everybody's kind of different. Like I'm thinking about our clients, I'm going, well, that one did it for this reason. And this one kind of re- repatriated all of her books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually have liked having different experiences. I've self-published a couple of eBooks. I've never self-published a print book. And then traditionally published two books and then did the hybrid publisher for one of my books. And I've worked with clients on all different kinds of projects, but it's been fun to have my hand in a little bit of everything and wrap my brain around the differences between the different types of processes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, ultimately, I don't think there's one that is good and one that is bad. I think they're all, they all have merits. And I think the challenge for an author is to figure out what's most important to you and what way of publishing your book is going to get you to that ultimate outcome that you want. And I mean, the beautiful thing I've heard you talk about a bunch of times is that the idea that because self-publishing is here and it's an option that we don't have to wait around on a traditional publisher to accept our idea or to accept us as authors. And we don't have to try to grow our platform to impress a publisher that we can actually have much more control over our overall careers as authors as well. 
Exactly. And I mean, I think some of this comes back to my own childhood where, you know, I, I, I skipped a grade as a young girl. And so I was, the, you know, the littlest, the youngest, and I never got picked for any of the sports teams. And so I kind of have this thing where I resent having to be picked. Yeah. <laughs> so I love self-publishing because I don't have to wait for somebody to pick me. Yeah. I, I choose myself and off I go. <laughs> I love it. As so as authors I know who are listening are navigating this process, are there questions that you ha- like a list of questions that you have that they should be asking themselves to decide whether self-publishing or traditional publishing would b- be best for them? Yeah, I think, I mean, first we kind of touched on it and that, you know, figuring out what you want, like what's mm-hmm. most important to you. And, you know, the one thing we, you've touched on, I didn't even mention it is the time involved. So if you're going traditional route, first of all, you really have to have a platform and and yeah. so that's really really important in the traditional world. You you need need to have an email list or a speaking platform or you know really strong social media so that they can see how you're already reaching an audience because they're going to expect that audience is likely to buy your book. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're when you're self publishing, you can build the audience through your book coming out. You don't have to have the audience first. So that's where I say you want to think about what's, you know, kind of what's most important to you. Like, what, why are you writing this book and what do you want to have happen? If you want to use it to get speaking engagements, then you want to make sure that the topic is going to tie back and yes. the audience that you're going to reach is going to tie back to that speaking career. Yeah. And so you want to, to the thing you want to talk about. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I did have somebody who wanted to do corporate speaking gigs, um, but her book that she wanted to write was on estrangement. And I was kind of, I really, there's there's a struggle here. This doesn't quite line up with what corporations are going to pay you to speak about. So yeah, I think first is to figure out, you know, what, what do you want to achieve and will self-publishing or traditional get you there? Most of the time, self-publishing will get you there. And like I said, you can always start down the self-publishing route and it can happen that a traditional publishing option may come up. And then at that point you can decide, but uh, that's kind of the first thing is really figure out what do you want to have happen? And then what resources do you have to bring to the table? You know, if you don't have money, uh, but you have a platform, well, then traditional might be a really yeah. decent option for you. But if you don't have money and you don't have a platform, <laughs> yeah. then you're probably back at the, you know, start self-publishing and while you're self-publishing, build that platform and kind of go from there. What are some things an author could do if they're worried about platform? I know we have a, that's probably the question I get, like the third most often question I get is what if I don't have a platform? What should I do about that? Do you have any quick advice for people listening who are in that position? Yeah, I think if you don't have a platform, don't wait to put your book out there to build the platform. I would put the book out there and use the book to grow your platform. So the biggest tip I can offer is create some sort of a offer an invitation, a call to action inside of your book where somebody will sign up for your newsletter in exchange for some sort of a gift, you know, a downloadable gift and use the book to grow your platform. I love that advice. I think it's really, it's great advice too, because you mentioned the time that's involved in traditional publishing. And I think that's one of the biggest drawbacks to traditional publishing these days, especially if you're a new author and you don't have an already established platform it takes an amount of time for you to grow your platform and then an amount of time for you to create a book proposal document and then an amount of time for you to find an agent who will represent you and then another amount of time for you to, to broker a deal with a publisher and then to choose which one you want to work with and then to sign the contract and then to wait. I mean, that stuff can take... And then a traditional publishing timeline is like 18 to 24 months. So that's from the moment you sign the contract to the moment the book comes out. Whereas with 
self-publishing, you could have a book idea and in nine months from now, the book could be available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a really, a really strong benefit to self-publishing. What are some of the big obstacles that you see people face when they choose the path of self-publishing and how have you seen authors overcome some of those? Yeah. I mean, the big thing is that is this platform piece and book marketing is a lot of yeah. people think the writing of the book is the hardest part. And and I actually think the marketing of the book is the hardest yeah, part. So, I agree. And a lot of people are in for a bit of a shock when this happens. Uh, you know, the book hits Amazon and they're like, nobody bought it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. So yeah, I mean, it, it, that's again why we layer in a lot of things. Like we layer in discoverability, right? We want to do keyword research, category research, mm. and pricing research early on so that your title and your subtitle have keywords in them. And we figured out who we're going to be competing with so that we don't have the same title as another book in our category, or even ideally another book that's out there. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the big, one of the biggest obstacles I think is people think marketing is just going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I'm guilty of that as a traditionally published author too. I mean, my first time traditionally publishing, I was like, okay, tell me, tell now the book's out. Like, what do I do? And they're, they were like, you tell us what what are we going to do to to sell the book, you know? And so second time around, I was a little bit less naive, but you you really do have to get into the headspace. And I think a lot of times people too, who are drawn to the writing part of it, and this may be more our clientele than yours, but who are drawn to the writing part of it don't see themselves as marketers. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to the marketing piece, they're like, I don't know, I'm not trained as a marketer. I have no, I have no clue how to market a book. Anyway, I don't know if you have any like quick marketing tips for someone who feels like they're in that position or something you would just say to someone who says, I'm not a marketer. Yeah, I got two things. So one is you've written this book to have an impact. So don't think of yourself as marketing it. Think of yourself as helping people and sharing it to get it to the people who need you. Yes. And the second piece is, is just do one thing every day. So, you know, make a social media post today, tomorrow, contact somebody that has an, you know, has your readers in their audience and see if there's some way you can work together. If you just do one thing every day, I think you can, you know, after 365 days, you've certainly sold some books. Yeah, that's great advice. And you work with authors starting from the beginning of the process, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we take you from the beginning all the way to the end, but being a subscription, you can come to us at various phases in the process. And so you can come to us with a finished first draft or, you know, a partially edited book. We don't tend to take them once they're done because we can't layer in the marketing. Yeah. That's really, really important. But, uh, but yeah, we, we work from idea to really mid edit. It will take anybody, uh, most people, I should say, not anybody, yeah. <laughs> uh, most people that we can see how we're going to help them create a marketable book because we want to create books that people are going to want to read, but also that we're going to be able to create success for the author on the marketing side. It's so cool. It's just such a brilliant service that I know is going to be beneficial for, it's already beneficial for so many people and for so many people who listen to this show and who are are considering what's my publishing path going to be. I think this is going to really open their minds to the idea that self-publishing could definitely be for them and in fact could be better for them because of all the benefits that it provides. So so thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Is there anything else you feel like I haven't asked that you want to say to someone who's dreaming of writing a book someday? <laughs> I mean, I, my, my final words for everybody is always the missing piece is always action. So yeah. just, just start and see where it takes you. Uh, you know, I think that sometimes you have to start writing to figure out the book that you really were meant to write. Yeah. You, one of your, the first sentence, I want to say it's the first sentence in your book, self-publish and succeed is something like, 
have you been thinking about writing a book for years, but haven't done it or something like that? I'm like, oh man, this, she knows, like she's got a hook. She's got, all of our people are like, yes, that's me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it, I mean, your book in your head is never going to help anybody. So start yeah. writing it and you can help yourself first and then you can help many others probably too. I love it. What should people do if they're listening and they want to get in contact with you and schedule a consultation? Yeah, head to booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps, um, the number seven, and that gets you our seven steps to write and publish a book that will sell. And once you get that, that email actually goes straight to me. So if you hit reply, you will connect to me and you can say, hey, listen, I'd love to chat more and, and we can kind of follow our process to set up a call. Amazing. And if you're not ready to set up a call yet, if you don't feel like you're at that stage in the process, you can get Julie's book, Self-Publish and Succeed. She also has like dozens or hundreds, I don't know how many of YouTube videos, a lot of YouTube videos that are packed with super helpful content, like differences between self-publishing and traditional publishing, or all the questions, the big questions that people ask when they're they're working on a publishing project. So you can check out the videos and get lots of free advice and free content. And then when you're ready, you can you can reach out. Booklaunchers.tv is the YouTube channel. And if you comment, you just might win some of our cool swag too. <laughs> love it. Love it. We love free swag. <laughs> Amazing. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and for being with us today. We're really grateful. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's wonderful to know you, Allie. Thank you. You too. If you have a book you know you want to self-publish, but you don't have the first clue how to do that, you need to know about an organization called Book Launchers. What's so unique about Book Launchers is they can help you identify your publishing objectives and then help you achieve those objectives through content development, editing, publication, and even the marketing of the book. All those unknowns that felt so scary and confusing before, what do I do next? How am I going to get my book out in the world? Your personal book coach at Book Launchers is going to guide you every step of the way. In fact, you'll never wonder again if you're on the right path with your book, thanks to Book Launchers. To learn more about Book Launchers, go to booklaunchers.com or follow the link in the show notes and make sure to let them know Find Your Voice sent you. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.